Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 84, which begins with Ripley saying, out of this one, having used the verb sleaze previously, and ends with Hudson saying, oh man. Yep, we're back with some some Hudson, a little bit of Hudson whining in this minute. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later. But we're at the tail end of our scene with... Big confrontation scene with Ripley and Burke. So she got him up against the wall. She assured him that he will not sleaze his way out of this one, and she will nail him to the wall. We didn't talk about that part of the line. She tells him she will nail him to the wall. So that's a direct threat. It clearly indicates that if they get out of this alive, she's going to the authorities, yeah. his bosses, all she these probably things. probably didn't make it any better for herself no, by saying exactly. that. <laughs> that seems to be the... Uh, nail in the coffin for her of sorts, you know, or potentially. So, yeah, that's a big, big threat. You know, maybe she should have played this off a little bit, but boy, she's pissed off. I mean, what do you do? I mean, this is our human being, right? We've got our Marines. We've got our business company men. We've got our literal non-human, humanoid, like, androids. we got a little kid. we got a little kid. We've This is our emotional center of the movie, so she's got to behave emotionally, right? Like, what would we think of Ripley if she tactically walked around this like right. it obviously wouldn't make for much of a, a relationship much of a or much of a scene uh-huh. in the movie so we need her to explode on him because come on by by this point mitch you remember seeing this movie for the first time you hate bark at this point in the movie anyway right <laughs> yeah so you're ready for yeah. somebody to take a you i i think that it's a it's a wise decision on their part to block the scene the way they did and to actually have ripley physically accost him I actually think that's very satisfying. Her just yelling at him might not have been enough. I no, think we actually a, needed her to grab him by the collar and slam him up against the wall. And it's a setup. It's a setup for what's to come. And that these minutes are really great in terms of how they are laying pipe for things that are going to come along the way. And you know, you just have to take the time in the narrative to slow everything down, let everybody catch their breath, and yeah. make sure you use that time as 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 best possible and he's certainly doing that he's really he's really escalating these relationships or moving relationships closer together as in the case of 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 uh, bishop and and uh, ripley it's it's great great yeah. stuff so you know she's she's threatened to nail him against the wall and she's could walk out of the scene she walks out of the shot she walks which out of the is shot. pretty cool because she walks out of the shot he stays in his position we go to a clean single of her for her last line and we and then or for her line, and then we cut back to him still in that same position, still, still in that position of having been dominated. So it doesn't go to a new shot of him. It, it goes back to that, and we're psychologically reminded in that cut that he's still been put in his place, right? Yep. So there's this, and she's got a really strong, clean single, and it, it buttons the scene up really nicely. Yeah. And uh, I do want to say Paul Reiser's performance here um, this maneuver of putting your arm up against the wall and continuing to gesticulate with your hand. Yeah. There's something like quintessentially 80s. I can't put my finger on it. It feels like I've seen Michael J. Fox do this before. Like I could see an uncomfortable Marty McFly doing this exact thing. It's something weird about it. You don't see people like I've never, I don't think I've ever done anything you, like You it. know Back to the Future better than I do. So, Well, uh, what it know. tells me is he's really nervous, but he's trying, <laughs> it's sort trying of like trying to be, to be cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're leaning against the wall, but you're still like, Moving your hand or around. In the comedy, and you then, try to lean against the wall, but you you have your weight wrong and you miss the wall. Exactly, right? it's it's like it's somewhere yeah. in between. Yeah. And you know he ends up you know saying these things like I thought you'd be smarter than this, 
And then when she reveals that she's not, <laughs> in fact, uh, you know, he puts his fingers up against his head. Like, he continues this pose. It's very strange. But it tells a lot because, again, yeah, we got a guy here who thinks he's the smooth operator. Yeah. And he's still trying to maintain that facade even though he's she completely won the battle. been put in his place. She won the battle, but she has not yet won the war. No. I mean, and that, you know, immediately his wheels are going to start turning. But, um, oh, shit. you know, there, there's maybe this is kind of an iconic line. Tell me what you think. He says, I thought you'd be smarter than that. And she says, happy to disappoint you. Like, that's a pretty good line. Pretty nice, yeah. Is this the origin of that? Because I feel like I've heard this a million times. Like where people say, oh, I'm happy to disappoint you. Like when people say something to the point, you know. I don't like, know. I thought you would be on my side on this kind of thing where the person's side is clearly the wrong side. I can't tell. I can't remember if okay, I've so just seen this movie there, so many times or if that's... There's going to be some like etymology of lines. Yeah, is there something that came... Idioms. Have we heard this before in another in another yeah. movie? If or, so, let us know. Or is this the first in the, and has it in fact been repeated multiple times or do people use this in their everyday life? There's another line next week that I have that same question about. Okay. So I'm excited I, I'm, about that. I bet you... It's the same line that I researched, and we'll have an answer for you. Oh, we'll find good. Out. Oh, exciting. We'll find out. Yeah. That's, a, that's an inadvertent tease, and that was really good, John. Well yeah. done. Yeah. All right. So she walks out of the shot. She walks out of the scene. Happy to disappoint you. We cut to a big moment now. Right. But except. We, yeah, except. Right. Director's cut. We cut to a huge scene. A big. This is a big director's cut change, right? Yeah. Where we've established last week with uh, John and Crystal, we talked about the sentry guns. The sentry guns are introduced during the um, inventory scene. They take inventory after the dropship crash. What do we have left? Uh, we have these sentry guns. These could be really helpful. Explain a little bit of what they do. Now we're going to see them in action, right? Like uh, we did see also in the director's cut last week, um, we did see them in action when... Um, Hudson throws the pink can down the corridor to waste a bunch of ammo, I guess, right. <laughs> which we thought was a really bad idea. But um, we know they we know how they work. We know how they function every way. That's all been explained. So now we're going to get a big sentry gun scene, and I feel like one we've talked we're gonna, about we're mo- two two of them, right? Yeah, one here, and we'll get one a little. We'll bit get more. one later. So yeah. this one's almost like how would you describe that? Like because we get well, the dis- we already get the, how they work. We've already know how they. Yeah, work. this one if I'm. If I'm wrong, correct me. Sentry gun scene one is all played on screens and sounds and faces. Then when we go to the second round of it, that's when it starts cutting to, isn't that when it starts cutting into actually seeing it shoot the aliens and all that Uh, stuff? It's here in this minute that they shoot the aliens. This is where we get a lot of splattering xenomorphs. Okay. So, and I... Are you talking about the next minute? Well, No, no, but I mean like in 86 when we get to that... There's more of this stuff. I thought this first one was right. just just counters and screens You're, and noise. You might be right because we. Unfortunately, I'm almost positive. Yeah, unfortunately, we watched all the way up to the second scene earlier, and now my my mind I think, is. I yeah, think that's you're the case, probably but, right. You know, so here if we're, we're basically wrong, we'll hear about it, so it's okay. Yeah, right. Okay, so this one we just get the counter, we get the screens, we get some sounds maybe mm-hmm. of the yeah, we get sounds, yeah, yeah. and then. Once they they retreat, right? We get, is this the retreat or is the then next they one retreat in the second one? They retreat when we go back to more of it, and okay. that's when I think it breaks point of view, and we actually see shit getting blown up and okay. aliens getting splattered. And Man, all stuff. we should have. I, I'm sorry, I, my mind's just a little Don't muddled with it. the two things. They're, they're kind of weirdly squished together, right? I mean, to have two such similar scenes, so within what two minutes of each other, technically, or I guess not two minutes of each other. Oh, anyway. Well, what do we think? I mean, should we wait till next week to talk about the sentry guns more extensively? 
Or do you want to start giving your opinion about the century guns and whether they were appropriately cut or appropriately put back in or which, which version do you like? I, well, you know, we can, we'll ask, we'll ask our guest next week to opine on that. And I can okay. opine on it right now, which is like, I think it's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I don't know how much it really moves the plot forward. That's my only complaint. I don't know how much it really, um, what's is the suspense given how it ultimately is resolved, you know, which is that they go away. I don't know. I mean, I, it's, I don't know, six well, and a half dozen other. It doesn't, I don't get a lot out of it. I guess the, th- the one thing it does is like, it does turn them away, but it forces them to improvise, right? So we are seeing a tactical decision coming from these aliens. I think that that's that's a change, right? We, I mean, we had implied tactical decisions in, in Alien, but in this, we're actually seeing them like we're going to get them we're shutting get, lights out. We're going to get them changing position, retreating as a tactical decision. Other. We're going. It's not like it's not like we're, it feels like it's not earned when it happens. Yeah, like, that's true. I mean, they're pretty smart. I mean. They, I mean one of them was smart enough to get into the drop ship and make its way up to the cockpit yeah. and kill Spunkmeyer. So they're smart. And in both cuts, we get the, how do they turn the lights out? They're animals, right? So we know that they can do things like cut the power or cut the power. It's I very guess arrogant to think that they're animals. I mean, it's a really stupid thing to say. Yeah. And I think, but I think that's a good, I mean, that's good for the movie, Yeah, but it also shows them having, making a tactical decision. So it's not really necessary to see them retreat here. I do like, I mean, I can, now I'm not remembering if it's eight minute 86 or this, um, where we get the thumping at the pressure door. I do like that. There's something ominous about it. And at that point in the movie, like more, maybe there shouldn't have been two scenes. Maybe there should have just been the one that ends this way. I think that it's ominous. It's like, okay, we're reminding you yeah. again. There's all these other things we've stacked on this um, emotional stuff with Newt. We've got the the pol- political stuff with Burke. Um, we need to remind you that there's an army of aliens out there that are right. also coming. I I think that's good, and I do like the splattering. All that stuff is cool. You know, just on a real basic level. I think watching those things explode is cool. And it, but it also is reminding us that the numbers, the sheer numbers, like if these people can, or these people, if these aliens can be disposed of in these quick cuts. We're talking about a lot of aliens, right? So if the point of this movie is that they're at war against an army, then that's helping us, you know, um, that's helping illustrate that for us. Where if we forget about, uh, audience might've forgotten about that. They might, I don't know. They might still only be thinking about two or three. Or four, or whatever. But it doesn't matter because they're going to get them eventually, and there's other stuff that's going to happen down the line that's a more immediate threat anyway, vis-a-vis well, what's going to happen in you know minute, I don't know, ninety or ninety-one, or once we get into two weeks down the line. Sure. Um, with with Burke's counter move, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, know. I mean, I have I have some thoughts about minute eighty-six and how that's how that is given to the audience, but I'm going to hold those until we get to minute eighty-six. Well, just to counterpoint your, we get that eventually, what you just said. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's the point, though. To me, even though we do get it eventually, I feel like this is a good place to ratchet up the suspense, is what I mean. Like, remind the audience what they're, it's not about getting it eventually, it's that maybe at this point we're at a lull with the alien story. Does it raise and the we, stakes? That's a good question. I mean... Not the way that what's going to raise the stakes next is going to, I mean, w- once we... Yeah. 
once we return to the scene that follows this insertion or not of the first part of the sentry gun mm-hmm. sequence, something's going to really raise the stakes. Yeah, and and it does. And you're right. To me, it's it, they do seem a little piggyback. Like one uh-huh. piggybacked on the other when you have the sentry gun scene there, where it does feel a little bit too much to have this whole scene happen, and then you immediately get the call. Well, and that's guess they, what's happening now. That's and, why they split it in two, probably, yeah. so that you it starts, you cut out of it. To this other thing, then you come back to the conclusion of the sentry gun, one-two punch. I don't know. I think it's messy. I think maybe the day. I think maybe if I were to be the one to make the decision here, I would have cut this one completely out, just cut straight from uh-huh. Burke and then let to the, let it happen. Radiation in one and then piece. the one piece the next time. Yeah. So we've 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 got the clock tick because what we have done now, you raise the stakes with the radiation pressure release, right? Now we have a ticking bomb, mm-hmm. time bomb, literally. Mm-hmm. So now with that beep, beep, beep ticking behind us, then you go, oh, yeah, and don't forget, we're also dealing with this uh, army of aliens that is going to be extremely difficult to deal with if you want to even try to get off the planet to get away from the bomb. So that progression would have been better than, oh, there's a bunch of aliens. Oh, there's going to be a bomb. Oh, there's a bunch of aliens. Remember? And it's like, yeah, I remember. You just reminded me like two minutes ago. So I get you. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a I think there's a uh, give and take here. I don't think that the all this stuff needs to be cut out completely. I think it's beneficial, but having two of them is a bit much. So let's move to that ticking clock. Okay. It's weird. It's weird, but it's a great cut without the sentry gun stuff because you go from this moment of victory uh, and off of uh, Ripley's face to this really cool shot looking out the window at this structure and this what are we looking for, and then the vent happens, and it's all in one, and then it pans to the right. It's really... I'm totally in the space. I totally believe the space. Um, I believe that they're looking out that window at that thing. It's really, it's really impressive. Yeah, and of course, it's that we've talked extensively about how beautiful that miniature is of the of the um, atmospheric process. I love that miniature. It's right up there with some Blade Runner miniatures. To me, yeah. like it's beautiful. And getting that ventilation coming out is, I think, very innovative, very cool looking. Uh, it's not over the top. I actually kind of, I believe. Like you said, I believe that that's what it might look like. And it's not like later in the next few minutes, maybe there's some things about it that I don't believe as much. But that looks beautiful. And and then the sense of dread that falls over everybody. I love that Hudson, who's the comm tech, he's a technical guy, immediately knows what it means. You would and, he maybe knows expect before, and he knows before we do, which is one yeah. that just like when Ripley said, I went and looked all this stuff up. There are these little, little moves that Cameron does that kind of puts the movie ahead of the audience just a tiny bit, which mm-hmm. makes us want to lean in. And we like, we want to know what he knows. It's it's a really great, great move. It earns that exposition that comes up. So it, it earns the exposition. Um, the, ty- the ticking time bomb trope is great. The motivation for the bomb is problematic to me. I don't, com- I don't completely understand it. And as a matter of fact, even if you can explain it away for me in, in the way that it seems to be explained, it's not the best explanation. Uh, there's another way they could have gone with this that would have tied in and paid off something big, and yet they didn't. So what do they tell us? So what, what and I mind you, we've had this discussion already. I'm going to throw this oh, out there. There's right. some people that have had this discussion on Facebook already. So this has already been kind of talked out, and I might end up using some information I got from other people. Uh, in talking about it, so I'll just throw that out there. I can't remember everything about it. This but is all about us. It might everybody be together. Everyone. So when Tom Taylor and Joe Mazel were on during the initial like attack sequence, 
Tom talked about how much he dislikes the idea of um, Gorman forcing them to stow their ammo and not use their, their pulse rifles. And how it's odd that he tells them that without a reason. It's odd that they don't ask why. And then it, it's odd that it never really pays off. It just kind of seems like an excuse to get them to be less... To be uh, vulnerable. To be more vulnerable, yeah. which we kind of all agreed, and a lot of people have agreed. Well, why? Like, wouldn't it be better if they got their asses kicked and they were fully armed? Well, considering they start shooting anyway, and they, and they do let's they, rock, and it's kind of like nothing really gets blown up to smithereens right. anyway. It's, it's, it's a bit of a faint. And there's no indication, and tell me, maybe somebody knows a detail I don't know. There's no indication in the movie that one of those rounds pierces anything, causes any damage, that that threat of the, uh, what is it, the cooling transfer or whatever being over their head um, is is damaged. But then we go all the way to now, and we have a damaged radiation. We have a, a, a meltdown situation. Yet, what Bishop says is that, Damage from the crash was too extensive for us to fix it. And I'm asking myself, okay, the crash, are you talking about the dropship? I guess that's the crash we saw. Now there was a, one of our listeners argued that um, maybe he was talking about the APC when she crashed it through, but I watched that. I, I went immediately watched that multiple times to see. And it, to me, it appears she only breaks through cocoon like crap, like a wall of cocoon muck. Right. So it doesn't really seem like she caused any, there certainly isn't an insert I, shot I of her hitting a pipe and it like, but anything yeah, that tells cr- me, I would not call that a crash, nor would Bishop refer to it as a crash. Yeah. That was a, that was a decided he rescue said, effort. He could have said it was damaged in the rescue effort. Exactly. Right. So the crash has to be the dropship. Now the dropship for the most part fell, crashed in the middle of a pretty open field between buildings a lot of wreckage was thrown around, but not not so extensively that it hit anybody other than landing a little bit of it landed on Corbin. It was already laying there. Um, so the idea that that wreckage caused this damage is very questionable. I don't see it. And I feel like what a missed opportunity to pay off the shooting under the cooling. It would turn out, oh, guess what? Ripley was right. You shouldn't shoot under there. Guess what? Your hubris, your inability to take orders actually bit you on the ass, didn't it? Now everybody's fucked because you decided to shoot those guns. Well, that's the thing. Otherwise, why do it? That's the thing. They, you don't want it to look like Ripley screwed up. You don't want it to look like Vasquez right. blasted a hole into something and she put everybody. The only people that can be at, at danger, the only people that can be causing all of this have to be the aliens. So I, this is my thinking. This is just, st- st- you know, my strategic, my strategery moving through this. So who do you blame it on? Well, you got to blame it on the alien who killed Smokebuyer, who caused the dropship to crash. But maybe we're also discovering a reason that they split the sentry guns thing in half. Maybe they initially thought, let's put that army attack right here, and we'll be worrying about the fact that they're coming, and then we can just sort of make it even worse with this venting business, and maybe nobody will think about it. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's really easy, and I don't have any... I don't agree. I don't see any reason why Vasquez can't be to blame for this. Why not? She's the one that she was the one that got Drake to go along with her right. and break orders. She in movie, you know, in our understanding of movie world, she should pay for that, which she will eventually. Mm. So she would be getting retribution or, or or getting a little redemption later. Right. And then the guy with the guy that she d- disobeyed 
all these things. There could have been a moment where she's like, well, we never get a vulnerable moment with Vasquez, really, right? We get that maybe when Drake dies, she's like, no, you know. Yeah. But it would be interesting to have seen her character take this moment to realize that she fucked them. Yeah. Um, I think there's all kinds of reasons. But more than anything is, if I'm writing the script and I go, ooh, you know what would be good? They have to stow their ammo because there's this cooling transfer thing. of the, Oh, yeah, that's good. And I get to this point in the movie, I would go, God, I never did anything with that. Or if I gave my script to you, that's what you would tell me. You'd say, well, whatever happened with that? And now we have a radiation leak. And why didn't it, wasn't it caused by them? That, to me, that's a really easy, easy fix. That's like a draft, fix. second draft. It's, a you ADR, go back and you it's go, an ADR. Or an ADR. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because, yeah, it could be a post-production change. Yeah. So, um, well, except you wouldn't get that scene with Vasquez, I guess, but where she realizes what she did. But, but yeah. But then that could be uh, right. that could be in reshoots, you know. You nowadays, know. since reshoots are the um, toast of the town these days. So, to me, though, it, to me, it's a big misstep. It doesn't, it's a, it's a missed payoff. And again, this is one of those things. Never thought about it before. Never worried me before. Now it does because I'm watching this movie too closely. That's kind of a big flaw. That's not just a flaw within the scene. That's kind of going the whole middle section of the movie um, is slightly flawed because of all this. Because how many people died because of that dumb decision to stow ammo for no reason? It doesn't pay off for anything. It's yeah. just there's all. It's kind of messy. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah. Oh but, well. So we're going to get, so this throws us right it's into as messy as a bad head through the table. Yeah, it is. Of course, yeah. that's one moment, not yeah. a whole section of the <laughs> it film. It doesn't drive the entire And, and it doesn't have anything to do with the plot of yeah. the film. But um, so, so now we get, everybody understands, like we said, Hudson immediately understands the ramifications of this. So that's good. I like it when Hudson is competent. I do too. I, I enjoy it. And he's, you know, we've been called out. I want to point this out too been called out a couple of times for maybe being a little hard on Hudson using the wrong language. Which I probably just did a couple couple of days it's, ago. It's okay. I mean, certain people have taken offense to the fact that some people have called him a coward. Now... Oh, he's not a coward any more than Veronica Cartwright's uh, a coward in it, Alien. I exactly. Mean, he's, he's, he is articulating what the average person would be saying, which is, we're screwed here. And, and I think even in, even in using the word coward, we're just talking about the, the character trope, not the... We're not calling any individual a coward, but that's just kind of like, oh, if you were to write one word underneath his picture and we're placing everybody as archetypes. Yeah. I guess that's what it would be Ooh, at, at one time. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I'm would, just I saying, know, what would I, call I think I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt. I don't remember personally using the word coward. Maybe I have, but I'm giving those, some of our guests the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. And that that's what they mean. They don't mean to be Freddy accusatory cat. against. He's a Freddy cat. See, that, I would rather. Coward is maybe better. Well, but. coward. I always think about coward as being um, when you talk about cowardice. I always feel like it's something that has to do with it has an impact on other people, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh. And and I don't feel like he's impacting anybody. He's just he's just complaining. He's yeah. whining. He's a whiner. Good. That's a good way. If a that's comedic way you look whiner. At it. And and he's arguably the most lovable character in the movie. Right. People really respond to him and he there are moments in the next minute in fact where uh which i'll mention where you know he just it gets a laugh every time and so he's in fact he's a more palatable character probably than than in in alien than uh lambert is an alien yeah because oh no he comes through you yeah 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 i mean he we talked about last week once ripley uses her um very deft executive strategic maneuver of Telling uh, telling him how necessary he is and yeah. to shut the fuck up at the same yeah. time. Uh, once you give him something to do, he's really good at it, and yeah. he is necessary to them. They need him, so he's not. 
you know, Lambert was more just of an archetype. I mean, I love the character, but she really was just kind of an archetype. She didn't really do anything, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, maybe yeah. I'm forgetting something, but he actually functions. He actually helps them come up with plans. He actually kills some aliens, yeah. you know? So, um, I, I don't think he's a coward either. I think, you know, what we're talking about is a guy who uh, is hit with a quick, like, early onset of PTSD here, you know? Yeah, I mean, we got a guy who just maybe saw some shit that he's never, you know, we get the indication that he hasn't seen a lot of shit. This is another bug hunt. I'm always going on bug hunts. What What is this going to be? Well, this is some hardcore shit. And he's seen it He didn't it now. even get any Arturian Poontang, right? And, and he, I mean, I'm sure he has. Oh, come on. Bill Paxton, handsome guy. I'm sure he's able to get some Arturian Poontang. But, um... Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I think that we're just seeing a guy. Just to clarify that, he's not a coward. Nobody's accusing him of cowardice. I think that that word is just an easy one to use for the archetype. Yeah. But I think if you're going to go into it deeper, which I'm glad you I'm did, you're right that that means something more. Like a coward costs something. Like being cowardly costs something. Where in his case, it doesn't. It, it's just annoying yeah, to he's everyone. Just a complainer. And he's just raising the he's raising he's, the stakes in a way because telling he's telling us what the stakes are yeah. all the time. Yeah. So yeah. So there we go. And, and we're going to end this scene with some whiny Hudson um, that's also going to get into Which, I mean, uh, continue back into to the next minute. Howard Hawks kind of single take where you get to see everybody interacting together yeah. and it's just really nice. It's yeah. very it's, it's very reminiscent of the of Hawks is the thing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know I know Cameron on the commentary talked about as a as a young director the challenge of framing shots with all these people. I can't remember if he actually used Hawks as an example or if that was you that Way back when we recorded early, um, the earlier minutes, if you brought up Hawks and the Thing, because in the Thing you get all those people crammed into like in, in um, and those crazy only frames. angels have wings square I mean, frames God. too. I mean, he's got a little bit more room to work with. Think about the piano. Uh, you know the the early and only angels have wings where they're all gathered around the piano. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the crazy. They're on like, top of each other. It looks like yeah, it looks like yeah. one of those like Simpsons. Every I character's in one <laughs> shot or whatever. But yeah. Um, so yeah, well, we'll just continue on tomorrow and talk a little bit more about what Hudson's complaining about. And, um, yeah, if that's all you got, that's then, all I got. then we'll just, uh, just head over to alienminute.com. Uh, you can find us there. You can find us on Instagram at alien minute podcast or on Twitter at alien minute pod. Okay. Well, we'll see you tomorrow for uh, minute 85.